Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? Good evening. You're listening to Straight Talk with Dean and Mark. We thank you for tuning in and hope you enjoy another episode of our show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome and happy new year. It is 2023 and we've been gone for a little bit, but we're back with a new episode of Straight Talk with Dana Mark. It's the six man Dean Geronimo in the studio and from NJ to NC, I'm here one more time with my right hand man, Mark Lee. So Mark, tell me what's good in your neck of the woods, my brother. Well, you know, today I'm actually coming at y'all all the way from an event here at the Haytai Hedges Center. We're talking about something that is very important to you, important to me, important to the world in general and everything. That is the fact of Black History Month. As a matter of fact, earlier today, I was doing an episode that focused on a legend that sometimes people forget because we always talk about Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, Harriet Tubman, Frederick Douglass. But I was actually, you know, pulling some people's coattail that might not know who she is to the legend of Sojourner Truth. And actually, okay. earlier today, there was one of my coworkers that was talking about Floyd McKissick, Floyd McKissick Sr., who created a thing called Soul City right here in North Carolina. And, of course, they were tied into CORE, which, of course, CORE was up there at the same time of the Black Panthers. One of the groups was singing that capitalism was the way to go, the way that we know capitalism. Other groups that were talking about that might have been going more in the Red Book variation and socialism and all in that space, but they are still actually very much involved in things like that you're involved in, the NAACP and the Urban League. And I know that there are core members that are members of both of those organizations. We're talking about how they, a lot of the times, we think of things that are interlinked and how those interlinkings happen. You know, we hear people talking about the environmental justice movement. Guess what? There were people that were involved in core that were involved in that because people were dumping chemicals. How dare they in my hometown of Warden and other places around Virginia and all of that. And that's where that whole environmental justice, environmental racism movement came out of. And then, you know, we even hear people now talking about black capitalism and uh, things in that space and even enterprise zones and empowerment zones. And, you know, maybe they give credit to Nixon and other people, but it doesn't necessarily belong to them because there were black Wall Streets before there was a Nixon. And all in that space, and we've definitely been being enterprising kind of folks in general, and that's part of what the whole conversation was about. And there were a number of other things. We were talking about the Malcolm X School that was founded right here in Durham as well, because people get excited about charter schools and some of the aspects of education. But some of those aspects of education and community were raised by the Black Panthers and by other historical figures as well, and we don't get enough of those kind of conversations. So the young lady that was doing the conversation, who is actually the sister of one one of my co-workers here at the Haiti Center was definitely dropping a lot of knowledge and we love knowledge being dropped because a lot of times people do not know the history that is in their midst. So it was good to have those conversations and to have some very powerful recollections on this, the first day of Black History Month and all in that space. But, you know, it's going to be a fantastic month and hopefully some folks will get it right and understand that Black history is American history and that a lot of the legacy that exists and that they give credit to we can be having it without some people that are, you know, a little bit on the more brown complexion and all in that space. I don't know about you, but you know, how many people you know go traveling around and they be going around and they get this thing they call it a GPS and all in that I actually learned and I learned recently, ironically, from a white gentleman or maybe it was a white woman and everything that that GPS that we all love to use and everything. Guess what? 
invented by, I think it was either a brother or sister, but definitely a member of our community and all in that way. And I'm sure, you know, I'm not a driver. You are a driver. And I know people are always times stopping at the traffic light. And that was another thing that was invented by a brother as yeah. well and all yeah. in that place. And the microwave yeah. thing might have been invented by a brother. There's a number of things that we use on a regular basis that we don't think about that were actually invented by brothers and sisters. And it wasn't just the ones from Hidden Figure, even though if they didn't and for them, there wouldn't be a space program and all in that. So, you know, some of these people, even in other countries that are in the middle of a horrible war and all in that space, they might want to think about what it would be if they did not have the hidden figures. Because I'm thinking that they might be launching some space age technology that the fine folks in Ukraine wouldn't be having if it wasn't for a sister. Not belittling their troubles that they are in, but at the same time, they need to acknowledge what's going on as well. Just my two cents worth. But what do you think, D? You know what? Um, that person would be uh, Miss Gladys May West. Yes. Who is responsible for solving those issues that the original team um, that consisted of about three other gentlemen, mm -hmm. Ivan Getting, Roger Easton, and Bradford Parkinson who designed the global positioning system but ran into problems and weren't quite able to solve them. And that's when Dr. Gladys West into black female comes in another hidden figure that, you know, solved those problems so that the GPS system would work and function the way it does and the way that we're used to now. So, you know, you know you there's so many it. things like that because I'm thinking about even the, some of this new stuff. You know, I'm working on this endeavor with a good friend of mine, Nicole Maxwell, who actually formed this group. She's the creator of it, the original creator called uh, Max Distro, but it's helping podcasters get live streams and live streams get into podcasting, but we're also doing a celebration of something that I know that you are a fan of, but on the end of this month, we're going to be doing a celebration of funk music, and I know a lot of hip-hop heads are also fans of the funk, but we're going to be blending funk and the technology together. We're calling it Funk and Future Festival, and definitely Nicole is definitely in that set. I want to say that she's in a little bit of a slightly different generation and all of that, but still a fantastic person and all in that line. Some of my friends have been like, what does she know about funk? She wasn't around when funk was around and all in that, but she is a hip hop head and you are a hip hop head. And yes, sir. Hip -hop heads will acknowledge it would not be any hip hop without the funk because the hip hop is actually part of the forefathers of what y'all were doing as hip hop artists. And I know hip hop recently celebrated, I think it's 50th birthday or something not like yet. that. Not yet. August Not yet. 11. Look, I'm 11 days older than hip hop. Okay. So my ber my birthday is July 31st. August 11th will be 50 years of hip hop. So, you know, I'm like, all right. They said it wouldn't last, though. They, they said, they it, said it wouldn't last. They said it would last, but you know, they said the same thing about the funk. And like I said, that came and around the, the 70s. They said the funk was not going to last and all in that space. But, you know, um, George uh, Clinton is still around. Uh, Bootsy is still around. number yes. of the other forefathers are still around. They're still performing, but they are, you know, yep. ready to uh, help pass on the mantle. So that's part of what this event is. And some of these folks are actually closer to my age range around the 50s and the 60s. But they're like, hey, we'll pass on the mantle and y'all can pass it on because we're also going to be educating young folks about robotics and about um, awesome. technology and drones and all of this kind of information. So it's going to be a fun event right here at the Hay Tie. 
as well. And actually on the 12th, there'll be a salute to George Duke as well. So there will be two salutes to the funk in this month and everything. But we're looking forward to it. We were having a planning meeting earlier, had those on a regular basis. And guess what, Dean? You do not get to escape because I know you have no trips immediately, either you or that lovely wife of yours, Dr. Diamond, to the Virginia area, but we are bringing the show to the metaverse near you. So you can stay there in New Jersey and still enjoy the show on that last Sunday. You can curl up with a uh, nice little drink of whatever your choice is, whether it's uh, one of spirit or not of spirit, hug your wife (laughs) and everything, and be grooving to the funk with us in the metaverse and all in that space. So it will be some virtual things going. So you don't even have to be in Durham, North Carolina, we would love for you to come down and everything, but we are also realistic. But there are opportunities for you to enjoy the experience even from afar. And if you go to functology.com, you can actually find out uh, what that's all about, what we've got going on. And you can definitely be there in person, If, but if not impossible to be there in person, you can be there, uh, you know, yeah, virtually and in that kind of way. So definitely get a chance, uh, check it out. We are definitely excited about this event and all in that line. And the other thing I was going to get to, I know we got to get to a bunch of news items, including two Indians that might be running for president and all in that space. And I do mean people with Indian as from the uh, country of India, but actually that's a uh, yeah country or um, continent. The continent is Asia, so that would be the country. I was right the first time. The country of India and all in that kind of way but you know there's two people running or at least one we know is running because they're announcing it the day after valentine's day the other one they're pretty much speculating that she's going to run as well but before we get to that and get to some of the other issues you know that there is going to be a major event you know neither of our teams made it my team choked big time your team didn't do exactly well either but i I was enjoying the games recently you know the philadelphia san francisco game that was not a catch so on the first score and after i saw that play i was like yeah y'all got away with one but that does happen in football but after that it was pretty much a blowout but the other game i really thought we were heading to overtime and then they you know they're just the cornerback or whatever the defensive man was decided he could not put in a breaks he couldn't swerve he couldn't find a way to miss him so they pretty much gave him a chip shot for the field goal for kansas city to win but i really thought we were giving it ahead to overtime in that game between kansas city and cincinnati but you know sometimes that aggressive move you're ready to you know pound that quarterback and he didn't know how to do a sidestep and all in that space. So that being the case, he uh, cost his team, and then he was boohooing the whole time. Yeah, and, and now, you know, you'll be looking forward to what, in two weeks on the 12th, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs will be in uh, in the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. I think that's in Arizona 50, this year? Yeah, I think that's Arizona this year. Yes, I believe it's Super Bowl, what, 56? Something like that. Hey, that means so, the Super Bowls are just a little bit older than hip hop. <laughs> a little bit older than hip hop. And, you know, it's going to be an interesting Super Bowl because for what, 13, 14 years, Andy Reid coached the Philadelphia Eagles. And now he left. left. He went to Kansas City. They already won a Super Bowl over there. And now they're looking for their, another Super Bowl win. So it's Philadelphia. Philadelphia, Philadelphia. last. You know, they last took out Tom Brady and the New England Patriots when they last went to the to the big dance. So speaking of Tom Brady, I understand that Tom Brady has announced that he's gonna officially retire. You know, he doesn't have Gazelle to go home to because apparently that divorce is going on and all in that space. But he's announced he's retiring. He did this again, and who knows, maybe we're gonna go through this drama. But this time it might be for real. 
Tom Brady those, might be done. Bro, those bones are, have to be hurting by now, you know, and, and he has to be in some sort of what what did I get myself into? Maybe I should have listened to my wife and just gone ahead. You know, he had nothing else to prove. So you know, sometimes I think with athletes, they don't know when to let it go. When you see those old guys that used to be, you know, knockout artists in boxing, and then they're getting in the ring in their later years and getting beat up because they just won't stop. And it didn't just cast their chips in and say, you know what, I've done all that I can do in this. You can remember the highlights. I'll make appearances. But as far as stepping in the ring again or stepping on the field again or stepping on a basketball court again, like Michael Jordan, he had nothing to prove. But then he came, came back and it didn't work out that well. Yep. And speaking of nothing to prove, and I'm going to get away from sport for a minute, but I got to get to the uh, elephant in the room, as they say, and hopefully we might cover some other things as well. But we do know that uh, there was a major funeral that took place today, another case of uh, police uh, misconduct and all of that. And definitely it was a very sad occasion. And in this case, we were actually involved as the police officers as well. So it wasn't just white officers beating up on black youth and all of that, not saying that that is um, a good thing and definitely not saying that it is um, a significant thing for our community of police to fall into this mindset of kind of like wanting to be the warriors or to have this kind of like us against them mentality. But you are in law enforcement. I was just wondering your thoughts. Were you surprised when you found out that it was five brothers that were on the police force that um, apparently ran into this brother that was on a traffic stop and then proceeded to beat him to death and all in that space. And I do know that his thousands of folks were expected at his funeral. I think that uh, Kamala was supposed to be there and a number of others as well. But I just wanted your take on this very sad moment in law enforcement. They killed that man. Um one thing that a law enforcement officer must have regardless of what's going on two things common sense mm -hmm. and res and restraint they exercised neither during that time when i first looked at that video you know we kind of were taught you start off with the the pleasant you know the greeting good evening sir or ma'am do you know why i pulled you over Right. And what they say next kind of determines how the rest of that interaction may go. Mm -hmm. But listening to the, his voice and, and just saying, you know, this guy is not um, he didn't come out the gate like, yo, what y'all want? I got something for y'all. Nothing. And he's like, yo, what's going on? And you could hear in his voice that, you know, there's a genuine fear. And at what point? Nobody thought to like, hold on, let's let's talk to this guy and see where he's going to go with it. No, you tase him. He doesn't know what the hell is going on. He runs. You chase him. He's 100 yards away from his house. You got his arm twisted in a manner that if he moves any other way, his wrist is going to break. But you have one officer controlling him. And then the other officer telling him to get on his stomach. You can't do both. Yeah. You know, so now he's stuck between the rock and the hard place. You kick him in the head. You hit him. You you hit him with the baton. You know, you do all these things to him. Does it surprise me that they're black? No. 
because there are a lot of individuals who actually this line of work was never for them. And it's not only, you know, for a long time it was like, well, it's the white officers, it's the white officers. Well, no, because in a law enforcement officer's mind, they could take this to either work for them or work against them. If I give you a command, the expectation is that you do what I ask you to do. However, that's when I'm in a logical state of mind. So if I said, Mr. Lee, I need you to step out of the car for me for one second. I need to have a conversation with you. Mm-hmm. Now, if you get out of the car, cool, we can talk. If you don't, now I have to take the next step. But they came in on a thousand. Right. So that nobody was thinking. And everybody was already amped up. So now the thought for them was, do what I say. I'm going to give you the business. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately that killed that man. Tyree Nichols died for no reason at all. They can't even substantiate the reason for the traffic stop. They tried to give reports that he was being aggressive. I'm sorry. Listening to that man and how he was asking what was wrong already told you he's not a fighter. But nobody was listening. You know, we were taught in, in the academy when dealing with a suspect, if you were to get into a confrontational situation, when they stop, you stop. You stop. But Tyree Nichols never started. So, I mean, he was pleading for his mom. I mean, that was one of the most touching. I mean, he he was pleading for his mom, but you got to realize he wasn't just calling out for his mom and she was nowhere to be found. She was 100 yards away. Right. A hundred yards away, and he was hoping that when he yelled, she could hear it and she could come outside. And, you know, you look at these pictures and and just listening to different things, and they said that the Memphis Police Department had relaxed their their, their hiring restrictions in order to get more people to apply for police officers and look at what they got. Well, the scary thing is the police chief actually came from Durham. She came from Atlanta to Durham and from Durham to Memphis. So, yes, the police chief has been all over the news. Literally, we're just in Durham. And I do know some people here that were not pleased with some of the activities that she was doing in terms of getting guns off the street and dealing with the gangs and other things. And, of course, that can be a very difficult thing to deal with no matter what city you're in and everything. I did hear of a unique notion and i don't know what your thoughts are about this but there i remember there was an event actually here at hate i think it was last year sometime and there were some members of the police force that had been recently a part of the newer classes and they actually literally came out of the gang culture and i think that that was an effort that um the some of the people within law enforcement i can't remember if it was that particular police chief or others had brought out which is that if you're going to address the community. Sometimes you have to have people that know that community. And sometimes if you're dealing with gangs and things of that nature, there are sometimes if you can get to them in time and if they're willing to work with you, some of those people may be able to get to things and communities that you can't get to coming at it from not having that in into the uh, community. So like I said, I do know that there are some at least a few <laughs> ex-gang members that are now members of the police force, but I know there are probably even ex-gang members that are in the prison guard and other parts of the judicial system. But what are your thoughts around this notion of trying to bring people in to and maybe even reforming them but getting them because they might know communities that other law enforcement may not know? I agree in part. Um, that's a gamble. 
mm-hmm. because it could go either way. It could mm-hmm. go the way you intend for it to go, which doesn't always happen in that manner. If you're talking about getting someone to change their life and really change mm-hmm. and do something productive, then I have no problem with it. However, if they continue to keep their ties to the street, it's like one foot in, one foot out. And that doesn't serve, it defeats the purpose of, you know, all of the things that they're trying to do now, which it's been slow to actually catch on, such as community policing. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's rare that you have officers who know everybody in the neighborhood and everybody in the neighborhood knows them. It was like that in the 70s and the early 80s because they put the us in our areas. You know what I mean? Like, but now that's not the case. They're putting us everywhere. Well, and then, you know, it's 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 a it's a gamble. It's not, I can't say it's a wrong or right because it's dependent on the individual who you allow in. Are they gonna take it and actually change their life or are they gonna take it and now they have a one up because now I know what the law enforcement is doing because I'm a part of that community so I can let my people know, hey, look, this is about to go down. Make sure that nobody's there or whatever it may be. So, you know, there, there's no, you know, some people will say, no, don't hire them at all. But everybody has the ability to change. Right. It's up to them whether they want to change and whether they actually take active steps to really change like they like they should. No, I hear you. I'm glad you mentioned community policing because one of the other things I've heard about, and I don't know your thoughts around this, I'm going to get to a global issue as well, but there have been people that have been thinking that you need to bring, and I think this is another policy that Durham, North Carolina was thinking about, Institute, I don't know whether they've instituted or if it's just in the planning stages, but this notion that unfortunately a lot of police and a lot of firemen and even EMTs are not trained in um dispute and um, conflict resolution. So there was talk about bringing social workers and other people that are trained in that along with the police units, whatever the police units are doing, because like if somebody's uh, threatening suicide or there's a dispute between um, a couple or even between the parents and children, the police officers are not unfortunately always trained in how to deal with those. So there was talks about bringing a, you know, another person in that is more trained in that kind of space. But I just didn't know what your thoughts were as one that has worked in law enforcement, these notions of bringing in outside people along with those that are responding as the law enforcement officers, but they're still part of the unit, but they are there to address that particular need, whether it is conflict resolution or mental health or some of the other things that are also going on in our world. We know that unfortunately homelessness is a real thing and some of those people that are on the streets are um, there. Some might be there by choice, but some of them are dealing with various mental and other aspects and all in that space and you might need somebody that can deal with that. I know I had an encounter a couple of days ago, actually it was yesterday, where you know a guy was uh, telling me about his situation. I could tell that he had some things going on. He was plainly homeless. He called himself the chicken bone police or something like that, but I'm sitting there going like, uh, you a little too close to me. Fortunately, I'm at a bus stop, and even he pointed out where the uh, security cameras were on the um, like the traffic signs and everything that you can see in that space. So I was glad that at least he knew they were there because he was like, don't worry, I'm not going to harm you because you know that's actually cameras up there and all in that space. And we do know that they have put some 
uh, security cameras out on the streets of Durham, just like they've done in other cities as well. So I know I dropped a lot on there, but if you got any thoughts around the security cameras and definitely around the notion of bringing outside forces into uh, calls and all in th that space. The security cameras are necessary. If they weren't there, we would have probably never seen the death of Tyree Nichols. That's true. Um, you know, and for those officers not to be cognizant of you're being watched. Not only are you wearing body cameras, but everything you do is being monitored and scrutinized. And they just threw that to the wind and did what they wanted to do. So now some people are arguing that, you know, well, they were terminated faster than the white officers would have been. That's not the point. The point is a young man lost his life for nothing. Yep. So you can argue all of those non-essential things and we are the masses of pointing out what's wrong, when are we going to start offering solutions? You know, at some point we have to, we, we are masses of identifying problems, but we fail at identifying any viable solutions. Now, as far as bringing someone else to a tense situation, that I'm not in favor of. Because if I'm there to de-escalate, now I have an individual there. They're, they don't really know how to de-escalate a tense situation of that magnitude. They may be used to someone arguing, you know, a little disagreement in the office and they're doing the counseling or something, but they're not in a tense situation where you don't know what's around the corner. You don't know what's getting ready to happen next. You don't know what started this whole thing. You're walking in as it's taking place. Now, that individual, what are they doing? Are they watching or are they actually getting in the middle of it, trying to shut something down? Now, that person is like, well, who are you and why are you in my house? That 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 conversation takes a detour and it could get worse. Now, referring them to some social service agencies, that would be better. So if you train those officers in conflict resolution and officer comportment, then at that point, they would know how to approach those situations and how to de-escalate instead of escalating and then trying to explain their way out of the box once they've trapped themselves in it. Yeah, that makes a you lot know, of sense. So. Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. And I can definitely understand that point of view. I got to bring up a teasing issue that I think you're going to enjoy. But, you know, law enforcement is an issue in a number of places, including some that have entirely different rules than we do. And one of the articles that I was hearing about was an Iranian couple that was handed prison sentences. And I know a lot of people in the U.S. would be in deep trouble if this became a law in the U.S. because apparently they were handed prison sentences for dancing in the streets. Because we do know that Iran is definitely a more stricter country in terms of some of their rules. And it's definitely a uh, Muslim nation and a fundamental Muslim nation at that meaning they have some very strict fundamentalism kind of rules but yes they have arrested and apparently given them a pretty steep sentence of 10 years in prison for dancing in the streets together in a video so apparently they were doing one of those lovely wow. social media videos and all in that space and now they are facing a decade because they posted that dance video and all in that space and they were doing that in tehran's freedom tower and it went viral so that didn't help any because then the people in iran including the government officials probably were like hey wait a everybody minute. saw it everybody <laughs> saw it. like we can't be happy with this we got to enforce our rules whatever those rules 
are, whether the people in the West agree with those rules or not, because, you know, our rules are not necessarily the rules of other parts of the world, but maybe they got a little bit of Western freedom and they thought that they would do a video and they could be feel some 10 years in prison. But we saw even with uh, the case of Brittany Griner, what can happen if you bend the rules in countries that have different rules, because she just recently got out of prison and all in that space. But what is your thoughts when you hear of things like this, where folks are, you know, doing something that seems fairly innocent, but then the government of that particular country is like, not innocent to us, and we're going to face you with a 10-year prison sentence. Those countries have not fallen victim to the age of inclusion and and letting things go. They have laws and rules, and they are strict. And if you don't like it, I mean, they're not holding anybody hostage. If you want to go and dance, you can do that in the United States. Just get out of here, because if we catch you, you're going to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I believe that with certain crimes, there should be their kind of justice to be administered. So not for really so much dancing, because for us, that's like, all right, they're dancing is harmless, but in their country is not. So you have to respect the rules and how they are applied to where you are, not to where you're from. You know, and Brittany Griner found that out the hard way. Oh, I accidentally put this in my bag. Yeah, that's nice. Come on, get in this jail, you know. And then even after she went to court, they were like, nah, get this time. You know, the only, had there been nobody to swap for, you know what I mean? She would still be there. She might still be there, but, you know, the bad thing is that, you know, it is my understanding that certain things are perceived as not being all that bad and everything CBD is one of them. And definitely that's what Brittany Griner was accused of having on her possession and everything. But apparently a country that is supposed to be an ally of ours and that we love dearly because it has supposedly broken from Chinese rule and everything. Guess what? They just ban CBD. That's right. That's right. They, that might, they might just be forcing businesses to shut down and or revamp because they're saying, hey, Hong Kong, we don't want any CBD here at all. So they have just literally banned what is considered basically almost a non-issue here in the United States. But Hong Kong is like, it might be a non-issue to y'all. It's still an issue to us and we're banning it. But even, you know, like a lot of things that we accept here in the United States, don't fly everywhere else. So just because, and even you still have to be careful because, you know, a lot of people say, well, marijuana is legal now, but it's legal on the state level. It's still illegal on a federal level. So that means if a federal officer actually catches somebody with some marijuana, they could actually level a federal charge against them. And then they have a whole bunch of stuff to go through. We accept a lot of stuff here because we just let everybody come in, you know. We accept different cultures. We'll even change and put stuff in 12 different languages to make you feel at home. But if we go if we go to another country and we can't speak the language, brother, we're in trouble. We're in deep trouble. But you know, but it's but it's interesting the different rules. Because I just said what Hong Kong is doing, but then at the same time, there is a Canadian province, I believe it's British Columbia, that is actually looking at decriminalizing drugs, including heroin. So they're looking at decriminalizing some very major drugs that even here in the United States we are not the biggest fans of. But it's interesting how these rules 
are different depending now, on where you're going and everything. When you get a chance, I want you to go on YouTube and type in Kensington, Pennsylvania. Uh, it's like a subdivision. I guess it's in Philadelphia, but it's the Kensington area. And this is where all these drug addicts hang out. And you see people like in some weird poses, but they're frozen because they're heroin addicts and stuff like that. But maybe they're on to something. If you decriminalize all the drugs, then guess what you can do? You can tax it. Yeah. And then the money that you'll make off of the taxes alone might just get rid of the deficit that we have. People are going to use the drugs regardless. Now, nobody's going to go out there and be like, yo, crack is legal. Let me try it now. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Nobody's going to do that. But Nobody's uh, going to do that, that, but they're still going to smoke it. There's still some people out here that's going to like, yo, I'm a crackhead they, to the day They're going to smoke it. They're going to do whatever they want to do. They're going to do things just like, you know, the homeless people going to be the homeless. Then there's some people that you can provide them housing. There are other people that for whatever reason, maybe they're in that survivalist mode. Maybe they just don't want a house and everything or an apartment, and they might be out there intentionally. I'm not saying that that is a large population, but we do know that there's some people for whatever reason, maybe it's survivalist mode, maybe it's mental health, maybe it's wanting to be off the grid, but there are at least a percentage of people that choose to be homeless intentionally and all in that kind of way. And some of them, like I said, it could be around mental health. It could be people that want to be off that very popular phrase, off the grid, meaning that you're not put out and seen by the government, whatever that government is. But then, like I said, I think the vast majority are there um, out of a plight that they are facing, whether that is an economic plight or whether that is some stuff going on with their mental health. But there is a small percentage that are doing it intentionally. I do have to teach you about something because there is a country in Latin America that is building something very big as part of what your job uh, history is and all in that way. But I want to know, are you going to go to work in El Salvador? Because apparently El Salvador is opening a 40,000, you heard me right, a 40,000 person prison as arrests are soaring in a gang crackdown. They're saying it is the world's largest jail and El Salvador's president has ordered it to be finished in 60 days. That means that they are trying wow. to put 40,000 people in jail in El Salvador in one particular prison. I'm thinking if you got 40,000 inmates you got to have at least a few thousand but you would know better than me because you've worked in this field you gotta have at least a few thousand guards because that's a lot of prisoners to be trying to maintain without at least an equal amount or a decent amount of uh, uh because even even was one thousand that's like one out of 40 for every gang for every prisoner so they might even need two thousand because that'd be one out of 20 but that's a whole lot of uh Prison space and a whole lot of that's a big prison if you're gonna put 40,000 people. That's in. a huge prison. But if you ever watch Locked Up Abroad and a lot of these places, they don't have the traditional uh unit officers like we have here in the United States. It's kind of like this is their living area, they're crammed up in there, and somebody might go in there and drop off some food, let them fend for themselves, serving it or whatever, you know. So it's the rules are little different than they are here in the United States. I wouldn't go to El Salvador and work there. That was where MS-13 originated, man. I am not going to deal with... So you walk in there, you're already the enemy. You know what I mean? Now you got 40,000 convicts in here? Nah, that's okay. Yeah, no, and, sir. I, and I'm also not... You know, I know people are saying that he's about to be 
eliminated, that the military may eliminate him. I'm thinking about Putin here and everything. And they're also saying that the head of that uh, military unit that is out there, that he might be assassinated as well. I think he's even put in some taunts that he would like to be a martyr. And I can't think of the gentleman's name, but I know he heads up that uh, unit that is kind of like the forefront of what's going on there in Russia. But if I'm in Russia and I'm a teenager, I'm not doing a Greta Thunberg. I'm not going to sit there and talk against the war in my country. But apparently there was some teenager that did that. And now she is facing decades in a prison camp for her anti-war post. So apparently she didn't learn that if you in somebody's backyard and you got some views that you might want to keep those views to yourself because it might not be too smart when they are monitoring it on a regular basis and they're going to slap your teenage back self into a jail. And like I said, she's now going to be facing the Britney situation. And apparently she's like, you know, 16, 17, but definitely a teenager and all in that. But she made some anti-war comments. And we do know that as young people, no matter what is going on, like to speak their mind. But and I don't know that I'm going to speak my mind in a totalitarian government. And there is no doubt that for the last several years, Russia has been a totalitarian government. So what is your thoughts about this Russia teen that is apparently going to face decades in a prison camp because she opened her mouth and did an anti-war post. I'm guessing like in their version you of Facebook. You know what? You should have kept your mouth shut. You know they have no problem when you speak out against the government. Remember the United States used to be like that. When you speak out against the president, you might get a, a, some visitors, you know, from the Secret Service or wherever they're coming from to kind of check you out. And they've been monitoring everything you do because they want to see if you're a threat to national security. And then Barack Obama became president. They stopped doing it. Yeah. Like, oh, it don't matter no more. You know, we just, it may have stopped before then, but I remember if you speak out against the government, man, you got some visitors coming to see you. So now this country, strict rules and what they do. Are you going to speak out against us? All right, then. We're not even going to try to find out why. We don't want to know why you're a, diss you know, a dissident. Guess what? You're not with us. You are against us. So we're going to lock you up. Have fun. Get this 10 years. In fact, if we could get you over the, the colder parts of Russia, like where it's really cold, and you'll do your time there. Hard labor. Good luck. See you later. 10 years from now, hopefully you will have grown. Hopefully she would have grown and learned her lesson and all of that. But, you know, there are other parts of the world, including some in the West, that apparently you can say whatever you want to and they don't get in as much trouble as you do in Russia. And we're seeing that in both France and in Britain, because I know that there's a big uh, thing going on in France where apparently the French people are not exactly thrilled at the pension plan that their president put together and all of that. So there are actually marches in the streets fighting the pension reforms that were going there in France and then the fine folks in Britain are fighting because they're not exactly liking some of the labor rules that are going on in that particular area as well. So apparently there are parts of the world where you can uh, just say what you want to and definitely go on because they're saying that the British workers are uniting in the largest strike in a generation. So that's 10 wow. years or something like that. So they're about to have a whole lot of people out on the streets causing all kinds of havoc and disrupting all kinds of things in that part 
of the world. So I didn't know if you had any thoughts on that. And the other thing I was going to mention is, you know, we talk about global influences and definitely China is a global influence. It's definitely put its arms into Africa. I think even the U.S. has put its arm into Africa and other places. But apparently there's a religious leader that is also saying, hey, you know, we got a bunch of Catholics already here in this particular continent. I think I need to recruit some more. So Pope Francis gave mass in Congo and he's on a African tour. So apparently he's trying to recruit more black and brown people, particularly black people that are from Africa into the Catholic church and everything. And I'm not saying that there weren't a sizable portion of Catholics already there because we do know that crusades and uh, religious revivals take place throughout the world and all in that space. But apparently Pope Francis is making an aggressive push to get more of the fine folks and our brothers over there in Africa to join the Catholic Church. Last time I checked, the Catholic Church, and I did go to a Jesuit university, was also heavily, heavily involved historically, speaking of history, in the slavery trade. So I might be listening with uh, keen ears to what he's saying, but also remembering some of that history as well. Not saying that people can't change in their history, because I do know that Mormons used not to exactly like black folks either. And if you hear some of their latest rhetoric, it is not as bad as it used to be. So I'm not saying like you said earlier about the gang members, that folks can't change their tune, but I would still be studying the history and figuring out if I'm buying the conversational points, because we do know that rhetoric can sometimes be just that, rhetoric. <laughs> it can be. It can take legs and grow on its own, or it can phase out when truth actually comes to light. So, I don't know, man. It's just, it's, I'm lucky. I'm lucky to be born over here, because I don't know if I can make it over there in some of those other countries with those strict rules. Like, you know, you have to be mindful of everything that you do, because even the smallest thing will get you some serious time to think about your actions, you know. Oh, yeah. But, you know, speaking of actions, how the heck do you manage to lose? Because I brought this up on one of my other news shows and everything. But I'm trying to figure out how people in society are losing some very major things. Now, they might sound minor to some degree, but Australia managed to lose some radioactive equipment and all of that. And I'm going like, how do you just manage to lose radioactive equipment? There was a zoo, I think it was somewhere in the United States, that managed to lose an entire monkey. So I'm trying to figure out how are we managing to lose some of these things that I thought was supposed to be kept under some sort of uh, tight uh, governance and all of that. And that kind of way, but I'm going like, how do we manage to lose these things? And particularly the uh, whole thing with the radioactive stuff in Australia, that's actually got me concerned because I'm going like, what else are y'all losing that we need to have that it is important to life and all in that space? The monkey may be less so, but still, I'm just going like, how do we manage to lose these crazy things? Because you know, there's all kinds of crazy things being lost. We even had a lost item. You're going to get a kick out of this, uh, definitely, Dean and everything. But we even had a lost item here in Durham, North Carolina. There's a place not that far from here called American Tobacco. It's like a business district. It's also near our world-famous uh, Bull Durham Stadium, the new one, not the one that was featured in the movie and all that, and the new one isn't that new. I think the new one's about 15 to 20 years old and all in that space. But there is a fake river. In that fake river was found, I think, two or three days ago, an actual beaver. So don't ask me how the beaver got lost or how the beaver managed to wander through the streets of Durham to get into a fake river wow. unless somebody grabbed the beaver and dumped it in that particular area and everything. But, you know, sometimes I'm going like, how are we finding these lost items and how are, are, are people like bored and they're just grabbing them, including the radioactive stuff? What's going on here? Were they lost or were they per purposely put in there? 
Uh, that's a good question. I don't think that I've ever heard any answer. My, my guess is they were purposely put in there. Somebody maybe found it in their backyard and said, hey, we well, ain't got nothing better to do. Let's sneak into the area in the wee hours of the night and dump it in there. See, you don't know. And that's the that's the hard part. That's the hard part. Not knowing, you know. Not what I mean? knowing. How in the world did that get there? Nobody's gonna fess up to it. No, nobody's so, gonna come there and be like, Yeah, I dropped it in there. Yeah, I dropped it in there. Like nobody's gonna come and say that. If they do, please have them checked out for uh serious mental disability because if they do that, then they're like, All right, well, yeah, I did it, but for what? What reason did you do it? You know. It'll be like I was bored. I didn't have anything better to do. Yeah, all right. Well, keep on playing. Keep on playing. You got to be got to be real careful. Speaking of keeping on playing, a couple of things I was going to bring up really quickly. One is a lot of people are very excited by the chat GBT, where you can pretty much get it to write just about anything for you. And I think I read somewhere that they're saying that online, 90% of what we read online by, I think they said 2025, it might have been 2026, will be computer generated. So I'm going like, how much original material we're going to have? Does this mean we don't have to have creative writers anymore? That everything's just going to be made up by these computers? And do we want to trust the computers to do what we say that we wanted to do? And are we comfortable right. with this? Because on one hand, I know that it can be very effective and can help a lot. But on the other hand, you got to go like, uh, do we want to not to just kind of hand over our creative and our critical thinking to the computers and the AI and the different other technologies. So what are your thoughts on that? Mm, you know what? Stuff is moving in the way of more uh, advanced technology, your cars, your smartphones, mm -hmm. you know, you even have a smart home mm -hmm. where you can kind of like hook up the different things, the Nest or the uh, Google um, or the Alexas and all Alexa. of that stuff. And you could say something as simple as, you know, turn off my light and it, it is, it's done. You know, cars are to the point where they can ride on autopilot to a certain degree. But, you know, all of these things, the stuff is just changing. Oh, it's totally changing. But speaking of changing, I did bring that up at the beginning. I know we're getting ready to wind down in the not too distant future and all of that. But one of the other things that I was curious about, and I'd love to hear your thoughts around this, is we got two folks from the uh, Indian community. Nikki Haley has definitely said it on the 15th, the day after Valentine's. And I think she is married. So I guess she'll do her whole romantic thing with her husband and everything. And the day after, she'll say, I'm ready to have a romance with the country. And all in that space. So she's already announced that she's going to announce on the 15th that she is literally running for president. And like I said, I'm not going to be surprised if Kamala doesn't run. I know that she was here on Monday meeting here in North Carolina. I believe she was in the Wake County area and all in that space. You know, some people may say that Pistol Pete might be running as well. That being the transportation secretary. And that means you might have two women running as well as somebody from the LGBTQIA community. But what are your thoughts of uh, these folks? Are we stuck with Trump, DeSantis, uh, Biden, and maybe one or two other people that are in the older crowd running this time as always? Or are we going to get some fresh blood? And does any of this fresh blood stand a chance? You know what? Fresh blood will stand a chance if individuals take the time to listen and see what they want to do and vote for them. But if they have like all of these other folks, like the ones you just named, man, we're in trouble, man. 
We're in trouble. We are in some serious trouble with these raggedy uh, <laughs> candidates that want to run for president. Like, no, man, I don't want to. No, like, no. Wait, 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 you, you don't want DeSantis, even though he doesn't believe in African-American history and doesn't believe in uh, some of these other things, but he's supposed to be a unifier, according to some of my Republican friends and all of that. And I'm going like, I don't know who you've been hanging out with, but I've got friends in Florida. I have not seen him unifying that much of the black and brown community and some of the other communities. And if anything, he's alienating us with some of his rhetoric and all in that space but i'm going like no nah, that's not the answer and you know what and out of all of those candidates man unfortunately like nobody's really qualified but they allowed them to run so now you have all of these folks and some people are not going to listen to platforms and all of that stuff they're just going to go in the booth and pick somebody yeah, and, and unfortunately, we're going to get stuck with some BS just like we did when uh, Orange Julius became the president. Like, people voted for him, and sadly, I don't care what some of our folks say, some of our folks loved him before he became president. Oh, yeah. So it's not hard to believe that when they walked into that voting booth, they voted for him. And he became the president of the United States and tore this country up, Jack. And before he left, his swan song was the raid and like Debo mind control. Mm. Go raid, go store in the Capitol. And the idiots did it. Like he was the ultimate new age cult leader. And he has minions that follow him. And some of these minions are now breaking off on their own. Like, hey, I want to be the head minion now. So I'm going to run for president, too. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the black beavers and butthead, Tim Scott, got up there and said, uh, you know, hey, man, I want to be the president. Like, Don't remind me of that. We got we got our own version of it. It's our lieutenant governor, and he's talking about running for governor. And he might even See what I'm saying? Like, he <laughs> gave, Donald, Donald Trump gave, and I'm going to say it as plain as I can, if you're listening out here, excuse my language. I almost made it a whole episode without one cuss word, but I got to say it in the best way that's easy to understand by anybody. Donald Trump gave these motherfuckers courage. And now, now these people are like, I can be president too. Like, no, you suck. You, you are horrible. You're horrible at what you're doing now. What makes you think that we want you on this? That we've seen what happens when you put someone that's truly not qualified into that position. But Donald Trump couldn't even Donald Trump can even remember who his own allies were. I hate to say this, but there right. was an ally of his that unfortunately, you know, we all it all happens to us at some point in our life because with birth comes life and with life comes death and everything. So it is part of the living cycle and I was not a fan of theirs while they were uh, around and one of them just passed and all in that space but you know he did create the YouTube sensation of Diamond and Silk and one of those just recently passed away and it's my understanding that he didn't even remember having met them and everything even though they were out there shilling for him in some ways and everything so I'm going like wait a minute, these folks are having regular meetings with you you've had conversations with them but on the Eve of their uh, passing, and I can't. I think it was Diamond that passed. You can't remember who uh, this person is, even though they were the ones that were 
aggressively campaigning for you. They showed multiple pictures of him hugging her and, and and all of that stuff in different pictures. So it wasn't like one day. It was like different days unless she changed the outfit multiple times. And then he was like, nah, I didn't know her. Man, stop telling those lies. That was <laughs> like, you had, to, you had to know her. If you hugging on somebody and you don't know who that is, and then you hugging them more than once and you still don't know their name, then Shame on you for being that dumb, you know. Yeah. But yeah, just, just really, man. Like, and what's speaking yeah. of speaking of crazy people, what's going on with both Texas and uh, California? Well, in Texas, you know, they were having enough problems with the whole grid system and electricity in general. And then, of all places, Texas, which is last time I checked was in the South, got slapped with a ice storm the other day and everything. So they've been thousands without power because you know they are definitely not used to ice in the whole Texas area. They're used to football. They're used to a number of other things, but I'm not thinking they're used to ice, but they got hit with an ice storm, but you're going to have some people tell me that climate change isn't real, even though but we're already in February, and I think there have been like maybe two or three days of sub-30 degree temperatures, but climate change isn't real, even though we're almost halfway through winter, and there's been barely any winter-like weather, but climate change isn't real. But, you know, the folks want to believe what they want to believe and all in that space. And then on the other side, we got another candidate that is saying that he wants to li put limits on where people can carry their concealed guns. So apparently you can carry a concealed gun, but he wants to make sure maybe you're not putting it in your shoes. Maybe you're not putting it in your hip pocket, but he wants to put limits on where you can carry it. And that would be what California Governor Newsom is trying to do because he wants to seek limits on where people can carry concealed guns. So maybe you can carry them in your pocket, but you can't carry them in the pocketbook. I don't get it, but like I said, I haven't read the full article, but he does want to put a limit on where you can carry them. Yeah, a limit on law-abiding citizens because you got the criminals carrying whatever they want, when they want, how they want, and giving it to who they want whenever they feel like it. So, you know, they try to make it sound nice and put a pretty bow on it, but to be honest, you're not going to control the guns. Now, you can have stiffer penalties should something happen, and you could control it that way, but nobody wants to impose those vicious sanctions because they'll say, oh, that's just, uh, you know, it's not humane. and Nobody cares. You break the law, you got to suffer the consequences. And you break certain laws, there's different consequences than others. And you just have to, it's how it is. Yeah, it is how it is. But, you know, I think both of you and me, it looks like Michigan is one of them. A state not that far from you is another one because apparently they got $211 million. They said Michigan residents are being encouraged but they just said states in general. So there must be several states, but Michigan and Pennsylvania are definitely in the lead among the states that are put out there. But apparently there's a whole lot of money, $70 billion in the United States in unclaimed assets. So I think me and you might have to check because maybe there's some money that we've got coming to us that we don't know we have coming to us that's sitting there somewhere unclaimed because apparently they're asking folks to check that. And that was in some news articles because apparently there's like $70 billion just floating around that hasn't been claimed by various folks and all of that. Now, some of these people may have passed on. Some of them might have passed it on in inheritance and the inheritors never found out about it. But apparently in the United States, and we're supposed to be slipping into a recession, there's $70 billion. Yeah, I did say billion with a B of unclaimed assets floating around in this lovely country of ours. So, uh, Dean, I need you wow. to check. You might have like maybe two or three billion. Maybe maybe you're going to be like the next uh, 
what's my man, Elon Musk of Tesla, and you're just going to get this money and then you can, uh, after you claim it, but you got to claim it first. I need both you and Dr. Diamond to check because y'all might be holding it, but I can see you coming on later on next week or in a couple of weeks when we do another one of these episodes and I'll ask you about it and you'll be like, I don't know about no money and then I'll find out later that you've already got money. Well, you know what? You'll know if, if I get some money like that, then I'm going to live on a cruise ship. So if we start doing shows and you see the ocean behind me, like I'm coming to you live from Royal Caribbean or Norwegian or, or you know, Princess Cruises or whatever, be like, listen, man, uh, you know, do I have a house? Nah, I got a P.O. box. I'll check it when I get back home. It's you funny know that you say that because that's actually an article that I read. I think it was either yesterday or maybe a couple of days ago. But there is literally a couple that just recently did that. They are living on a cruise ship because they said that it makes more financial sense than paying their mortgage. So there's literally a couple out there that is doing what you are just saying. And I knew that I found this out um, yesterday. So it was actually yesterday that I read this article. But yes, there is a literal couple that is saying, hey, you know, skip this, paying mortgages and all in this space, that it was cheaper to actually live on the cruise ship. So they have decided to live on a cruise ship versus paying that mortgage. So they are doing what you are saying that you and Dr. Diamond might do. But yes, it is a uh, <laughs> couple that is uh, Angeline and Richard Burke from the U.S. have decided to pack their bags and live a life at sea. The couple are now living the dream after they decided to sell their house and permanently live on a cruise ship. And these are not exactly, they're not exactly, um, not, um, they're not spring chickens, but they're not overly elderly either. This is Angeline Burke is 53 and her husband, Richard, and they don't say how old he is, but probably in the same range, range, maybe a few years older, who are originally from Seattle, packed up their life on dry land back in May 2021 in a bid to fulfill their full love of traveling. And despite spending all their time exploring incredible places, the couple have found it's actually cheaper than paying a mortgage. According to their calculations, they can travel for the rest of their lives for as little as 62 um, AUD a day, which is around 35 pounds and all in that space. So this is actually an article that was written about them in a London paper. But that being said, that sounds like it's fairly reasonable. That's probably translates into probably thousands of dollars for us and all in that space. But it's like they said, it beats doing a mortgage. So they are actually living on the sea and apparently are doing quite well living on the sea. So, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. 35 pounds. Uh, I'm trying to figure that out. I'm trying to look this thing up, man. Yeah, let's see if and I see another That's 40. Okay, 35 pounds is $43.32. <laughs> and they're living off of $43 a day. But think about it. You get the, you don't have to spend gas, electric, uh, you know, you don't spend on groceries because you're eating on the ship. You're eating on the ship. You, know what I'm and you can eat all day and all night if you want to. They probably cruise so much that they belong to probably like the top tier club. So for right. every one cruise, they get a cruise free. So it's if you do 52 seven-day cruises, that's a whole year. They probably pay for 26 of them. Got the other ones free. Maybe may living in a suite. So, you know, after a while, they're like, hey, 
you on our top tier, we can give you a suite for maybe a thousand dollars a person. I want you to hear this dif- differentiation because this is deep. They said the calculus that, like I said, even when I found the article in a U.S. source, they were still highlighting the article that was originally written in a. Um, think it was a paper either in London or in Australia, but the couple have calculated that they can travel for the rest of their lives for 35, 44 a day, 35 pounds, 44 cents a day. So they've gone anywhere from Sydney to Singapore, Italy, Canada, and the Bahamas. Meanwhile, according to Zillow, the average price for a home in Seattle is 740,058 pounds. I want our listeners to catch that the contrast between what they are paying and what they could be paying. The couple have just calculated that they can travel for the rest of their lives for 35.44 a day. So they can go anywhere from Sydney to Singapore and they can do the math. 35 times 365 is probably not equaling up to what that average price was, which is 740,058. So yes, they are probably absolutely correct. It is much cheaper and all of that because you know they are traveling around at almost, uh, as you just did the calculation, about $42 a day. I mean, there are, there are some, not necessarily in Durham, but there are some nightclubs that you could go to and probably spend that just going out on the nightclub or even a movie. If you're gonna add the food that comes with the movie or if you're going to a concert and you add the restaurant, you're probably paying half of that just for those kind of nights. So they're doing this on a boat. So yes, I clearly see their point of view that it would be a lot cheaper to do that versus the other way. So they might have they might be onto something there that of this unique way of traveling. They might be onto something. We might have to check into that along with that uh, billions of dollars that you're going to be collecting and all in that space. Because I just know that you and Dr. Diamond have won one of those prizes. You just don't know you've won it, but You've won one of those prizes, and it's just about <laughs> going ahead and claiming that prize and all that. Holy crap. I'm sorry, but one of the last things I just saw, a thing that we got to mention, and I just used the word like you did. You said that MF word, and I just said, holy crap. But I remember when this incident happened, because I think I was working at the newspaper at the particular time that this happened and all in this space and everything. But it is, uh, actually, I might have been away from the newspaper, but it is uh, apparently... 20 years to the day. I know that it was, um, yeah, I had already left the newspaper by that time, but I know that it was because I was thinking about the other disaster, but apparently the space shuttle Columbia disaster was 20 years ago. So today is uh, 2023. So that would have been 2003, which was the last space disaster we had. I was actually thinking about the, I think that was the Challenger. That was the disaster many years before that that was in the, the 80s, if I remember correctly. So there have been a couple of disasters, but the Space Shuttle Columbia disaster is 20 years as of today. So that would have been February 1st of of uh, 2003, so two years wow. after uh, 9-11. So that was not a good decade. So we had 9-11 on 2001, and then apparently two years later, we had the Columbine disaster. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the Columbia disaster. Uh, it was kind of rough kind of rough but we made it through you know now we get to see what else is going on yeah that's it a lot of things are going on and everything we do know that the police are still searching for those three detroit rappers that went missing after a canceled event and all of that and last time i heard they were still trying to find them hopefully they will be found in safe grounds and all in that kind of way but definitely that's going on friend of mine had asked me recently if Barnum and Bailey Circus had 
shut down permanently. And I found out that later on this year, I think it's in the summertime, it might be in the fall, they are going to be relaunching because they took off this time for the whole pandemic and everything, but they are coming back. And I think Universal Soul Circus may be coming back. But now you got to wonder, are people going to want all the animals that you usually get in a circus? Because apparently in San, um, one of the California towns, it looks like it was in a California area. And I'm thinking it might've been around San Francisco and yeah, around the Bay area. They were saying that a mom saved its son after an unprovoked and vicious mountain lion attack. Um, I don't have any kids of my own, but I do have nephews and I'm wondering how unprovoked was it? Cause you know, if you just happen to be looking up and you see a mountain lion and you are a kid, aren't you going to be tempted to kind of like maybe taunt it, yell at it, do something else. And you know, they are like, humans in the sense that if they see movement and other things, they might think of that as being a provoking. So I'm not thinking that they, I don't think the kid did it intentionally, but they're saying that it was a unprovoked attack. And I'm going like, what did the kid do? And do we know that he did not provoke it by probably doing what kids like to do, which is saying, you know, saying here, kitty, kitty, not realizing that that's a big cat and you might not mm. want to be calling that particular cat. Mm -mm. Keep messing with them. You're going to find out the hard way. They need to teach their kids to leave them damn things alone. <laughs> <laughs> might be, might not turn out the way you you plan. Exactly. You know. Yep. Last but not least, and then I know we're winding down, but it does look like the shocking news came out of the world of entertainment. It does look like uh, Alex Baldwin, as well as some of the other Rustin crew or Rust crew are being charged with involuntary manslaughter. So they definitely did some things not appropriate in the way that those guns were handled and everything. And it looks like the fine folks in law enforcement are saying, hey, you know, y'all got rules. Y'all need to abide by the rules. If you don't abide by the rules, we're going to enforce our rules. You're going to jail. You're going to jail. And good luck to you. You thought you were immune. I didn't know it was loaded. Yeah, all right. But you take responsibility for that weapon when you put it in your hand. Yep. So if, if you didn't check to see that it was loaded, um, not loaded, whatever, that's your fault. So now you bear the responsibility what, what comes with it. Yeah. Good luck to you because you have the right to remain silent, so on and so forth. Oh, you got the and right now, to remain You know, you have to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are innocent of what you've been charged with. Yeah. Speaking of being innocent, you know, the Minnesota governor, because that was that whole uh, Dobbs case and Roe versus Wade, but apparently the Minnesota governor has signed a bill codifying the fundamental rights to abortion into law. So they said they wanted to toss it to the states, and some states are being very aggressively um, anti-abortion, but it looks like Minnesota is going the opposite way because they're actually saying that there is a fundamental right to abortion. So it looks like they're going to be one of the early states to actually go the opposite direction. And we do know that Minnesota even elected a uh, ex-wrestler at one time to be governor. So they do have some notion of being a definitely independent minded and in some cases even very liberal. So I'm not surprised because it's also the state that gave us prints and a number of other things in that regard. So I'm not surprised that they would do that. Just like I'm not surprised that DeSantis and the governor from Texas keep shifting people to 
New York, which is why Abrams is saying, hey, wait a minute, would y'all stop dropping these homeless people and these migrants off in my area just because they came to your state and all in that space? And now he's trying to turn certain things, I think Hell's Kitchen and some other parts into places that they can stay until they can figure out a way to either integrate them into the United States or possibly even send them back to where they originally came from, whether that's Mexico, Venezuela, or other parts of the globe. But definitely, I don't think it's cool in the least bit for one state to be sitting there going like, I don't want them. And they came in through my gates, but I'm going to send them to the to the other side because I don't like them either. It's crazy, man. I told you, you got to start locking down what you what you have and instituting those rules, sticking to them and not allowing the extra to, to come out and Maybe, just maybe, some things may make some sense. Dean, I'm with you on that, but I just wish that they would be fair about that. Because one of the things I've heard about, and I was actually talking to a lawyer acquaintance not that long ago, is that until recently, quite a few of those migrants were actually migrants that were um, what they call extended stay. So they were the people that were more in the um, professional world. They were like engineers and stuff like that. But I don't care whether you're coming in illegally to break the rules as a farmer or you're coming in and you decide to stay for an extra five or six months because you're an engineer or a doctor and you like the U.S. better than your Indian country or whatever other country you're coming from, Ukraine or uh, France or wherever else. It's still the same rules. So I, that's my issue is that if you're going to make these rules, make the rules fair across the board, both on the racial line, because we do know that Haitian immigrants are not treated the same as Cuban immigrants, and also make it treated fair along the lines of status, because definitely the professional ones are the ones that are coming in on these extended stays. That was actually, from my understanding, from talking to some legal people, that was actually until two or three years ago, the biggest brunt of the issue within illegal immigration. But we never heard people talking about that and everything, even though that was the bigger chunk of the actual folks that were breaking the rules. Yeah, until you do right by us. But then again, we still got to be counted as a whole person, too. Yep, that is so true. While we're still being counted as three-fifths, they can look up every 20 years and say, do we want to allow them to vote? You know, maybe so. Well, we have too much blowback now because they know too much, you know. Uh, so we're going to let them go ahead and vote. And, yeah. you know, just those different things, man. It's like start doing right by the people because until, you know, Black folks get their just due. I'm not really worried about the rights of everybody else. And it may sound rude and disrespectful, but, you know, I'm, I'm a black man first. So, no, I hear you. you. Know. And on the last note, I'm glad you brought up three fifths of a man because that's what I started with was, and they're already gone. So I'm here to get out of here too. But don't forget, it was Floyd McKissick Sr., the one that they were honoring earlier, and the man behind Soul City that published the book, Three Fifths of a Man his analysis of the race problem in the United States, McKissick believed that the problems was primarily economic and that the restribution of the nation's wealth was needed to enable black people to share in the nation's prosperity. And that's part of what came out even with his whole notion of Soul City, which is supposed to be an African-American uh, run and controlled town and all in that. Unfortunately, that dream was one of those uh, dream deferred that, that did not quite go the way that it was intended to. There are still family members and others that are hoping to make that legacy happen. But I understand that Soul City itself is under economic troubles. And if it's going to happen, it will probably happen in a, another part of the world. I know that Princeville was another town that was um, minority run as well here in North Carolina. And there have been others around 
the world, but definitely, hopefully folks will remember that legacy. And if it, even if it can't be the original Soul City, maybe it's a new Soul City in some other part of the world, but it was definitely a legacy that Floyd had and a legacy that his sons continue and that others continue as well. But definitely he was all about racial and economic justice. And I know that that's something big on your radar as well. Yes, it is. And it will always be until it's straight. I agree with you on that. Well, on that note, this has been a fun one. I'm going to get on out of here, get to that home front. I hopefully have some test papers to grade on my other job on the, in the morning and deal with this organizing of this Funk and Future Festival and all in that line. But I think this is another good conversation and look forward to uh, seeing you back. Maybe we'll not wait a whole other two months because it was a minute or two before we got them. So maybe we'll get back into a regular routine and maybe come back every other week or every couple of weeks and everything so that folks aren't going like, is that, is that Dean and uh, <laughs> the Dean and Mark yeah. show? <laughs> right. Yeah, we're going to have to look at the calendar and find out and then go from there. And we, but we will be back, you know. We'll be back. We'll be back. And we're also looking at some guests. I was actually talking to some people about some dates in definitely, possibly, possibly February for Black History Month, but definitely around March, around Women's History Month, and definitely whatever other dates we put together. But I know you're reaching out to some folks, and there's some folks that have reached out to us, so we will continue the conversation. This is a good catch-up session here today, and definitely we've floated a lot around history and politics on this one and everything, so definitely a great one. I guess the last question I got to ask you as we walk out the door is, is it going to be Kansas City or is it going to be Philly in that Super Bowl match? So what is the prediction? You know, you're a good person in those predictions and all in those lines. I got to figure out whether Minnesota is going to actually get off this Kirk Cousin experiment because I need a real quarterback. And I think that there's some things that Baltimore needs as well so that we can be in the running next year. But on that note, who are you picking for the Super Bowl? Whoever has the better defense on February 12th is going to win that game. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> any given Sunday, anything can happen. But whoever plays the best defense will win that championship. And all I want is I do. I want the kind of championships that we've had. I think last year was a pretty decent one. I think the year before was pretty decent. I do not want another blowout. I can't stand it when you go to a, a Super Bowl party or you watch it even in your own home. And by the time that we're at the middle of the commercial runs and the halftime show, you know you're not watching the second half because the game's already over. So I'm hoping there will be a competitive game, and that's what I really want to see. And I think we've seen a few of those these last couple few years but the last thing i want to see is a score of like you know 36 to 7 or something like that where it's a blowout pretty much well we're gonna find out in in 11 days 11 days yep. <laughs> yep so that's it for this episode man for mark lee is the six man danger geronimo man and we'll be back sometime this month just stay tuned and uh we'll see you and speaking of seeing you, but just one last thing for those of you that have not been catching it, because I think that I've got an air in it on a regular basis on Friday and everything. But not only is Straight Talk with Dean and Mark doing the radio thing, but because he's got this a significant person in his life and everything, and I'll be sending him the link so he can put it out there. But I think that I've got it running on a consistent basis on Fridays, but I'll double check that when I look at my schedule. But Dr. Diamond 
is on the couch over there on the pod TV as well. Because I've already put up two of the past episodes and all in that space after having the conversation with both Dean and his lovely wife. If you want to see what she's got going on and they having some deep conversations around mental health and the things that she's involved mm-hmm. in, that is now a featured part of the Pod TV network, which I'm also part of when I'm not doing this thing with Dean in the more traditional podcasting lanes. So she is definitely on the itinerary and on the schedule. And I'll be sending Dean a list so he can put that out there and his okay. wife can share it as well. But they are now an official part of the Pod TV family. Well, the welcome uh, on the couch with Dr. Diamond to the Pod TV family, and and on behalf of Dr. Diamond, thank you for for that opportunity. And and y'all, like I said, tune in. She has a lot of good topics and good conversations. So make sure you put your ear to the ground so you can hear the sound and uh, join that conversation. All exactly. right, so we'll see y'all. See you. It's Straight Talk with Dean and Mark, now on the Anchor platform. Be sure to catch the replays on the Skyhawk Radio Network. If you miss those, we have replays on Radio Public, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Podcast Addict, CastBox, Podfollow, Deezer, GeoSaven, and right here on Anchor. We are also part of the Level Podcast Network, where you can catch other exciting shows such as The Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause, The Chef Gang Radio Show, Funk from the Front Seat, Funk Music with Zach, Learning Unwrapped, Let's K-12 Better, Marketing with Russ aka Hashtag Russ Selfie, Mona Shake and the Minority Report, Mullings, Music and Memories with Mark Lee, The Online Dinner Party with Mark Lee, The Plant a Good Seed Podcast, The Reinvention Road Trip, She's on Call, The Just Podcast, The Mark Lee Show, The Spin It Social Hour, Virginia Interfaith Live, On the Couch with Dr. Diamond, Candid Conversations with Dr. Diamond, and of course, Straight Talk with Dean and Mark. Like Dean Geronimo always says, when you walk outside your front door, it's showtime and the world is your stage. Just make sure that people are not watching the rehearsal. On behalf of the sixth man Dean Geronimo and Mark Lee, have an outstanding week and be sure to catch us on the next show.